welcome to What's Wrong With Wolfie. This time we're talking all about TV shows of 1992. And with me, as always, I have two glorious co-hosts. The first, the dessert stout lover himself, it's Rich. How you doing, mate? I'm alright, thank you very much. Excellente. And with us, as well, is Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Is that his name? <laughs> I think. I am I the sand so. in everybody's sun cream. Welcome. Um, that, that, I, I did write out a, 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 an intro for you, Chris. I do promise, but I am so unorganised tonight. I don't know what's going on that um, I didn't even have my Word document up with it written down on and I couldn't remember it. So. <laughs> it's a Thursday evening you checked out. You know, the yeah. week's basically officially over. Yeah, no, I so think that's what's the problem. I think it's just been a long week and it's just, yeah, the brain's just not functioning well today. So it should be quite interesting, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's right here now and I, I, I wrote it down. And also with us, as always, is the Wolfie Pod Stato himself. Stato. It's Chris. <laughs> See? Christ, no. Stato. 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 <laughs> Here's the closest to football fandom I ever was. I kind of appreciated that show, even though I never really mm-hmm. knew anything that was being discussed. Yeah. But it was pretty good. It, it was it kind was, of. Wasn't it? I think it was almost kind of like the top gear for football fans at the time. You, know, you didn't have to give yeah. a shit about cars, but it appealed to the masses. Um, and it was so, massively popular. Yeah. And I was, I'm always surprised, even to this day, that they never tried to repeat it. Yeah, but probably for the best. Maybe, maybe they tried it. and they just didn't realise that they just couldn't do it without Frank Skinner and David Baddiel. Exactly. But, and that's just another one of those programmes that just oozes 90s, doesn't it? That mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yes, indeed. Um, so how did we find, Chris, sorry, um, how, how do we find you today? All good? Yeah, yeah. Just chilling out. With your coffee? Not much. I've actually got a cup of tea tonight, actually. Ooh. It never did ask you what was in your in your glass last week, but... Didn't I? Obviously, it wasn't a mug. It was an, obviously, it wasn't a glass. It was a mug, but... You talk about me? did ask. Oh, we never... Yeah, you. We, we never oh, asked Chris, because he's always got coffee or tea. That's not very exciting, is it? Yeah, it's boring. Exactly. You know, <laughs> that's what I mean. There's, like, me and Chris, no, we sit here with our... Like, with, with our vanilla you know. drinks... And then there's you with your, um, like, the Ritz drink, whatever you want to call them, style. Nescafe. Nescafe. Um, but so, but as we're on the subject, Rich. This is, this is the good stuff. What, the tea? Mm-hmm. Well, sorry. Is it, <laughs> what kind of tea are we drinking, Chris? <laughs> are, we, are we on Yorkshire? Twines. Oh, excuse me. No, twinings. Ooh. Yeah. It's oh, not tea pigs, is it? Don't say any Yorkshire tea, that shite. Well, what was it? Just English I, breakfast, I find Chris? Just too, uh, no, it's just, just everyday tea. Oh, okay. No sugar. Fair Leave enough. the bag in, let it stew, oh, get really dude. strong. Milk and, milk and yeah. tea. It's the only way. Yeah, I know what your milk. tea's like, Rich. It's like warm milk yeah. with like four sugars in it. <laughs> it's a heaped teaspoon. It's barely, as well. even, it's barely even tea. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with Chris for I'm, leaving the tea bag in. Um, just I, some tea I'll with just your leave milk. It in. Yeah. 
It's like complete opposite to when Rich made me a Roy Beaner at his house once. That's like half a glass of Roy Beaner. Do you want any fucking water? Do you want any water without Roy Beaner, Chris? No, I'm fine, cheers. <laughs> just these chemicals and sugar will just wire me for like four hours. It's like fucking hell. <laughs> Was your eyes glistening and widening as you were drinking? Yeah, like the ultimate, the ultimate squishy in The Simpsons. I was literally about to say that. You know, <laughs> sitting there, so Jesus staring Christ. at your hands. <laughs> With Rich going, I fucking love this shit, and I'm like, <laughs> you sit there, you feel like you're getting high as fucking well, shit. Well, is like. banging. I don't care what anyone says. Oh, it's like nectar of the gods, that stuff. Oh. <laughs> don't need any other narcotics or any uh, nah. stimulants. Just. Uh, just sip Ribena straight it's up. None, none of that tooth kind shit, though. No added sugar? No, I said that. It tastes like yeah. crap. If, if you bought no, no added sugar, would you have to just sit there and pour a load of sugar into it? Exactly. I don't trust anything approved by the uh, British um, Dentist Association. So. <laughs> okay. Should I ask why? Or should we just leave that? Nah, just... I don't know. They've got, they, they've got an agenda, you know? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Health. <laughs> health. Health. <laughs> <laughs> just give me sugar you can tell being on the beers tonight it's all good <laughs> um, what, what is in your glass this week Rich? Oh, it's a good one it's a good one is it I'm, I'm, I'm excited yeah another one from Armisen Brewery okay <laughs> I feel like they should be sponsoring us at this point yeah um, I, should, I should get on to that called Virtual Reality and it is a sticky maple and banana French toast stout Wow, I think that's the most elaborate yet. Yeah, 12%. Marvellous stuff. How marvellous? I give it a... Well, if it's a beer called Virtual Reality, it's, you know, is it laced with anything else? Like <laughs> 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 The official beer of Lawnmower Man. Um, <laughs> it's got Pierce Brosnan on the can. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, no, it hasn't. I can show you. Um, I would give it a real solid 9.7. A solid. Yeah, it's Rich has given us a solid good. this week. It's scarily drinkable. Um, yeah. It's oh, it's one good. of those beers. Yeah. I kind of like those beers, but then I don't like those kind of beers sometimes. Oh, yeah. Because they're, they're just dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> yep. I don't Maybe. like drinkable beers because they're dangerous. They are dangerous because, especially if they're strong beers. Yeah. You just keep you sipping know. them like they're straight yeah. ahead. Boom. Yeah. You, you just keep drinking them like they're a, a glass of Coke. And before you know it, you're hammered. <laughs> TV of 1992. Um, men behaving badly, guys. What's your What's your uh, memories of this show? Um, yeah, I remember watching it probably every week. Had kind of a weird Leslie Ash crush until she got stung by a load of bees. Yeah, until she <laughs> yes. stuck a rubber <laughs> ring to her face. <laughs> I was so um, disappointed when that happened. Yeah. I was like, what oh, have God. you done to the yourself? The same happened to Meg Ryan as well. It was like yeah, this, it's terrifying. This pint-sized, like, gorgeous little thing from the 80s. What have you done? Mm. Meg Ryan's comeback. That's, fuck off, is that Meg Ryan? Yeah. <laughs> fucking space alien came down and ate her and replaced her. <laughs> yeah, I, it's a show I've, I've not watched in the longest time, probably since it was on its original run. I don't think it's a show it's ever been repeated in recent years we rewatched it on netflix about six months ago oh it's on netflix hey shit i have to check yeah. that out i probably will now i've got the theme tune in my head that's that's never gone away the theme tune no yeah. i mean it's got a bit of um i mean it, the, the first series was funny because it, it started it wasn't funny funny it's just funny because uh, yeah. it started on itv 
and it had oh, yeah, it did, um, didn't it? Martin Clunes and then it had Harry Enfield oh, as yeah. his flatmate, housemate. And I don't think it did very well. When I've watched that ep- series back as well, I can probably see why. Because I don't think Martin Clunes and Harry Enfield probably gelled. They that had well. no chemistry. Yeah, there was no chemistry. When we rewatched it, it was just like, really? oh, it's really weird. Just yeah. Jeez. Um, and Neil Morris has got a bit more of like an everyman kind of quality to him, whereas yeah. Harry Enfield does. Even at the time, he was very much it's a comedian in the role, and it just feels a bit. Harry Enfield's not funny anyway. Sorry, no. guys. Any fans of him until he's got Paul Whitehouse next to him, then uh, yeah, then yeah, he's overshadowed. And it's yeah, I did like a, a, a few bits of Harry Enfield. You know, uh, Kevin. A few and bits, yeah, but I'd few moments. Kevin and Perry, you know, yeah, some bit. Right? Maybe not the movie, but that's right. <gasps> that's for another year. No, really, you didn't <laughs> like the film. I don't know, it's, it's one of those things, it's kind of like the LEG you, effect where it's very clever how it's skewering a certain part of society, then it becomes embraced by those people. Okay. And it's like, okay, now it's like everyone's missed the joke. <laughs> okay. Because oh, well. that film was aimed at like kids that almost were being parodied by Harry and Phil. Yeah, it's by exactly the character what happened Kevin. with Guest House Paradiso when he develops Bottom into this TV show, Yeah. into a film, and I had to... Change the location, change the names, change the setup, yeah. everything, and it's just like, again, it's like we said in another podcast. I think it's, it's like when you adapt that, like Alan Partridge is Alpha Papa, it's Steve Coogan mm. playing Steve Coogan playing Alan Partridge in a film. Yeah, yep. It's just weird. Okay. I am the only person who doesn't like that what? film. Me and my wife. I haven't. S- I've seen it once and Dis- very forgettable. Disappointed. <laughs> but men, anyway, let's yeah, men behaving badly. Kind of got canned after that series, and then yep. uh, BBC bought it and replaced Harry Infield with Neil Morrissey, and never looked back. Hmm. Uh, they they had much better chemistry together, Neil Morrissey and Martin Clunes, and I think they um, had a right, just had a good laugh. They they hmm. act drunk very well. Yeah, what I'll say. Was it um, Leslie Quinn Ash it? and Carolyn Quinton in the ITV one? I yeah. Was it? I yeah. can't remember. No, no. Leslie Ash. Was she in? Yes, she was in the first season, yeah. Okay. If uh, I remember rightly. If anybody doesn't know what men behaving badly is, then um, it's just about two grown Two guys behaving badly. Who, who should live, be adults. Live, yeah, live in a house together and they are just laddish and they get drunk and That's do stupid lads. things and um, they're getting older and they like to relive their youth. If you like, which is where we're getting to. Really, Sounds awfully it? familiar. Different, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, like, think they, they do. St- I mean, one of the standouts from what I remember is they they're sitting there in their front room watching TV with their cardigans on, drinking a beer, and they're like, "What we're we doing with our lives?" And they decide <laughs> to go and find a rave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then it's just about them um, getting lost, trying to find the rave, and then um, just just the exploits of of doing that and. That's just the kind of thing that they do. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And um, yeah, yeah, it's a quality program. Yeah, I remember being a kid watching it, and I remember vividly my mum turning to me and my brother and saying, "Don't you ever copy what they're doing on." <laughs> <laughs> like every parent would when they're when you're watching something you shouldn't be watching. Don't you dare copy what they're doing. <laughs> but I just yeah, remember even badly. It was just one of those really fun. 
don't have to take it seriously. You don't got to concentrate on it. It's just 25 minutes of stupid shit. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> that and everyone's it, done. And it hit its it hit its um stride just just as the right time for me, I think that yeah. um that I got attracted to it because of the the you know what was going on in the program as always kind of just related to me at the, the time of my life. I mean, it was that point in Britain, wasn't it? In the 90s, you got mm. like shows at bottom with like the social, like kind of decline, but you had the real rise of that. Like, it was for the first time that real lab culture. So, mm. I think that was kind of the the dawn of it in a way. Yeah. Um, did anyone watch the uh, anyone seen any of the uh, the US version with Rob Schneider? <laughs> no, no, yeah, there's probably clips I on kind YouTube. of steer clear of that kind of stuff. You kind of have to check it out though, because kind of like with the Red Dwarf one, it's kind of oh man, I was just going to bring that up. (laughs) It was just like, like the best part of casting was Jane Leaves in that. Was she in it? No way. She was the Rimmer character. Okay. In that Red Dwarf pilot, that's that's inspired casting actually. And I can't, I can't remember much about it, but I remember watching clips of it, and and the same with the the US version of the IT crowd as well. It's just like, even Richard Ayoade couldn't rescue that. It just doesn't... It's just, I mean, it doesn't translate well. The only thing yeah. that has translated well is The Office, which is far superior to the UK Office. Yeah. I For some reason, I prefer it. I don't know why. It's just... Because it's got Steve Carell in it. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Maybe it's just less cringe. I, I don't know. It's just something about it just hits better for me. There's always going to be that divide. Um, it's never. It always sounds snobbish, like we're trying to say that American humor is like inferior because it's not. But it just there's something a societal difference. There's something that just never translates. I mean, I've I never gave a shit about the show in question, but I know a lot of people say like the Cold Feet US version was just like completely so far off the mark. Compared I to never the, uh, really watched the UK version, to be honest. Yeah, no, same, absolutely same. Um, because but... we were in high school at the time, and it's not the kind of thing you watch, is it? No, a kind of rom, not. a kind of rom-com TV show when you're exactly. like, what? How old were we? Was sixteen, seventeen, or something? Oh, yeah, we had no Shut interest up. in any of that kind of no, stuff at the time. That's why we no. watched Men Behaving Badly. No, because we were out <laughs> doing stuff we shouldn't have been. Yeah, um, I was I, at home. I mean, I was. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, Rich. <laughs> I was watching Robot Wars on a Friday night as well. Yeah. Yeah, I was introduced to Cold Feet a lot later on when I when I met my good wife. Okay. Um, yes. Well, Cold Feet, not your wife, sorry. <laughs> 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 um, another show that debuted in this year was um, Gladiators. Oh. Gladiators. Contender ready. I feel Gladiators ready. As you can tell, listeners, um, I I felt like this was probably a good show to pick, talk about quickly. Um, From memories, I believe, guys. Memories? Mm hmm. Uh, Jet. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that was coming. I'm glad you did. <laughs> For a minute, I thought he was going to say wolf, but hmm. oh. well, it depends what mood you're in, I suppose. He used to like hair. work my. I remember he used to kind of annoy my parents. I think when I watched it because obviously he was playing a character, but it's like mm. nowadays you appreciate it. It was pantomime. It was pro wrestling. Yeah, it was, it was never anything to get annoyed at. He yeah. was there to work up the kids in the crowd and yeah. get the parents rolled up as well because he's upsetting the kids, and it's like 
he, he played it perfectly. He was like a pantomime villain. And he was actually say, quite was, intimidating. Yeah, he was the baddie of the show. The one that you needed that one that people didn't like. Yeah, didn't you? absolutely. But I think the nation kind of took him to their heart. Um, that was, I mean, we talk, we can romanticize 90s Saturday night television. And that was still in many ways the main event. I mean, God, it, it there's so many shows, but... Gladiators, obviously, at the time, it was like nothing else you'd ever seen before. It wasn't like a game show. It wasn't like a variety show. It was, yeah, it was its own thing. It was completely mm-hmm. separate. Full-on full um, challenge. Um, the word is at the tip of my tongue, and I can't think of it. But it's, yeah, it's um, like a TV game show. Yeah. That just full of excitement, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, now it would probably wouldn't stand out because we were in a world now of, like, Ninja Warriors, Total Wipeouts, Stone Cold's Broken Skull Ranch, if you want to get really obscure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, those kind of shows now, they're like dime a dozen. But at the time, this was, like, completely new. And I know it came from, it was, like, imported from the US. It was mm-hmm. obviously, that's where it was born. But, yeah, for Britain, it was like, oh, this is completely different. And I, I absolutely loved it. I yeah. had the Pinini sticker we're, album. We were we were the target age. <laughs> yeah. For that. Yeah. The Panini sticker album. Amazing. Did I also mention Jet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I did. Just in case anyone didn't. <laughs> was yeah. Was Jet your favourite gladiator by any chance? Yes. <laughs> Not Hunter. No. Hunter was the guy who. Like, yeah. If you know, I had a favourite was... guy gladiator. I'd probably say. Hmm. Not Trojan, the one named after a contraceptive. No? <laughs> Shadow was kind of badass. Um, yeah, I don't think I wish he really, the guy stood out, actually, surprisingly. Um, no, I guess yeah, Shadow was kind of cool. He was just really scary with his like, pearly white eyes like, staring through like, the helmet. It was just like, mm. when he's like Shadow chasing you up the wall, I was like, no. It's like, <laughs> you're right, thanks. Like, yeah, just an amazing show. I absolutely loved it. That was. Mm. If if you if you could um, go back and go on the show, what yeah. what particular um, event would mm. you do the most? You know, what would mm. be your first choice? It's got to be the atmospheres, isn't it? I was literally about to say the atmosphere. Yeah, <laughs> I would do the wall because I'm completely unfit and I would just you, hate yeah. it. I don't know heights. Let's um, let's all get put in big hamster balls and just run around the arena for a few minutes. What was the stuff. one? What was the one where you had like the course and they were up on the massive podium and they had like the bloody sponge ball cannon thing? It wasn't sling the, the, slingshot the was the one with the hoops, wasn't it? Yeah, hang tough, hang tough. Ha- that was the one. With... No, hang tough was the chain rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the one where they fired up the balls at you and you had to like run through a course? I don't know, but it sounds like an amazing social life. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> 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 that oh, landed really wrong. Yep. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I know I can't remember it. Yeah, atmosphere was. I, I would have to say that. Um, I mean, um, duel was obviously badass as well. Gonna love mm. those old pugil sticks. Yeah, definitely amazing. A really awesome image as well when they're just like wailing on each other right before the whistle, and it just is like. Are they going to fall? Are they going to fall? Mm. It was like it was just exciting. Crowds going yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I think yeah. We used to love watching it before. We used to go again. We had we've said it before. There used to be a cricket club over the road from us, and we used to sort of socialise on a Saturday night with the families around the area. 
they had like a bar there and stuff and we always used to watch Saturday night kind of entertainment and old house party gladiators and so on and then go over there so that was always almost like a tradition not a tradition but a routine yeah and then you end up talking about what you saw you know given the season whatever you watch sometimes would go over and like you, you, when Baywatch used to be on I remember watching Baywatch on a Saturday afternoon evening and then going over the road mm-hmm. but yeah. with Gladiators it kind of just it just hyped it just hyped you up and it was just just exciting it was, it was perfectly set up and like we said it was the the gladiators were these perfect caricatures of you know sports person personalities and the events is what like every like child between the age of like eight and fifty <laughs> <laughs> would really want to do and still do yeah. now. <coughs> Excuse I think- me. I think it was one of those rare exciting times as well when you really got to see a British show become like heavily merchandised as well because it oh, wasn't something remember, that happened often. Yeah, the action figures. Did you ever yeah. any of those? Yeah. <laughs> actually, the only gladiator toy I actually ever had was a American gladiator contestant figure. <laughs> I got that from a Santos Santa's Grotto in a, a garden centre one year. Yeah, random, I know. But, yeah, I think yeah. I had a a pugil stick gladiator but i've yeah. got a very hot, weird feeling it was a knockoff from some random oh dear pound shop jobby yeah you know <laughs> really nasty stuff yeah no it was that was that was some special television definitely um and then you had um you had kind of like the the opposite version when takishi's castle was around i think that's around yeah. this kind of time as well wasn't it yeah, I was introduced was like to Takeshi's Castle at a friend's house. Now, we didn't have Sky TV. Yeah. And I remember going around my mate's house, and obviously they, they had Sky. It was around his house that I was introduced to things like The Simpsons and um, King of the Hill and stuff like that, because they obviously got it a fair time before we did. And, yeah, Takeshi's Castle, I remember being in absolute stitches, because I'd never <laughs> seen anything like it before in my life. No. YouTube didn't exist. The internet wasn't a thing yet. And then you go around to your mate's house randomly and you're like, what the hell is this? I need to see more of this. <laughs> you guys, about oh. Takeshi's Castle. I don't know if you guys have ever... Well, the first time I went to the States, I discovered something on uh, Spike TV, mm-hmm. which was like, you know, the network for men. Mm. And um, they basically, they run Takeshi's Castle out there. But... They call it Most Extreme Elimination Challenge, MXC it's called. And they dub it in a way that <laughs> really? puts Craig Charles to shame. <laughs> and they turn it into its own like comedy. I will fire up, I'll give you loads of YouTube links later. Well, I kind of like the way they'd narrate and dub Euro Trash. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like they will, they will basically split all the contestants into teams. So it'll be like sorority girls versus frat boys. It's STD jokes and it. it's just bad. So funny. Yeah. Whereas like Craig Charles kind of um, basically kind of they adapted the show just so it could be consumed by a Western audience, yeah, specifically a British audience. Like, MXC, it just turned it into its own show. They just, almost like in a way with Power Rangers, they took the footage, the raw footage, mm. and they just worked around it and turned it into something. Reverse engineered it, yeah. Yeah, it was something unrecognisable. And uh, one of the hosts in it is a guy that is in like the hunting gear. He's like an explorer. 
and his name's um Guy Ladouche and it's just like they give them these funny names and it's just <laughs> so funny I, I will give you those YouTube links it is it was the best thing I discovered on TV when I was in the US I even bought like a DVD box set from Best Buy before I got on the plane and went home wow. <laughs> it was just amazing amazing show but yeah MXC fantastic Do you like to play a game? Yes. Excellent. I'm not falling into this trap. Okay. But yes. It's game over. It's game over, man. Game over. Let's, let's play the award game, shall we? Where you try and mm. guess who the winners of the awards are and fail miserably. <laughs> Guaranteed. The, obviously, it's the TV show. We've I've got the BAFTAs up, finally. And we're going to start with the television comedy programme or series of 1992. And the nominations were Only Fools and Horses... Drop the Dead Donkey, One Foot in the Grave, or The Curse of Mr. Bean. Surely it's going to be Only Falls and Horses. I'm sorry. It's, like, it's, it's almost like no competition. Yeah. At this point, it's well established as a British institution by this yeah. point. It's got to, it's got to I be. I want it to be Bean, but it won't be. Or even Drop the Dead Donkey, maybe. Yeah. I know that was quite popular. My yeah. mum used to watch it a lot. Um, well, you're both wrong. It was One Foot in the Grave. Damn. I yeah. don't believe it. The uh, children's wow. program fiction. So we have Press Gang, Five Children and It, Jim Henson's Greek Myths, or Woof. Oh, um, now I've got the Woof's tune in my head. <laughs> scratching my nose. <laughs> I, I want to say Woof. My heart says Woof. Sure, sure. My head what? says yeah. Press Gang. I reckon it's got to be Press Gang. Or um, Dexter Fletcher. <laughs> yeah, who is now a, a award-winning director, director now? Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought, considering what I've been watching today with him in? <laughs> There's nothing silly <laughs> about that sentence at all. Thank you very much. <laughs> been on the dark web again. You watching? You watching the Doom movie? Were you? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it was Jim Henson's Greek Myths. Oh, Jim. Mm-hmm. Good old Jim. And the children's program fictional uh, was between. Um, the world since 1945, the Cuban Missile Crisis. What the hell? I know. Well, that sounds like riveting entertainment. Yeah. That. Um, Art Attack. <laughs> Cuban <laughs> Missile Crisis. Art Attack. Don't worry, the, the world could be obliterated within a few hours, but here comes Neil Buchanan with yeah. a load of sheets and a parachute and a and a fuck ton of glitter and PVA glue. He'll just raise the <laughs> missiles out and draw now some that, nice flowers. Now that is an art attack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's it, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, what, what's, what's the what's the head oh, got to say dear. about the Cuban Missile Crisis? <laughs> what, that, that flappy statue head. <laughs> I love the head. He's great. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm sorry. Jesus. <coughs> Why is that even nominated? I need to um, find out about sorry. the show now. I feel sorry for <laughs> who the is children in it? who had to watch this. It doesn't link to the show on the website, unfortunately. So you'll have to Google it's it. Scrubbed from history, have Yeah. Um, so we've got the Cuban Missile Crisis, Art Attack. <laughs> so, <laughs> not, not a show, just the Cuban That's Missile Crisis. Like, yep. The best, the best event that happened. In, you know. oh, please, um, oh, oh. <laughs> um, please tell me you made a, a, a nuke out of a massive industrial cardboard tube. 
Middle Middle English, The Secret. What the hell? Or Blue Peter. (laughs) 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 Wow. I guess you can make the Tracy Island to fire your Cuban missile out of, I guess. Out the swim. Yeah, the 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 un the unaired banned episode of Blue Peter where Amphia Turner made Cuba. You can't do this one. The Cuban yeah. Missile Crisis playsets are out of stock. You just build your own. <laughs> oh my god! Just build your own cash drive. Amazing. Do you want to choose? Um, do you want to choose the Cuban Missile Crisis? Program I want to now, choose them all. Just... Yeah, the Cuban Missile <laughs> Crisis, absolutely. <laughs> all the way, all the way, as to be. I'm going to go for Blue Peter just for a complete <laughs> and utter. <laughs> Do you think there just wasn't that many programs out in this year, and they just had to fill up that last oh. one with a program, so they just randomly chose this one? It's like, yeah, we'll we'll re-edit it. <laughs> we'll <Okay>. make it. <laughs> and this was the the non-fact. This was the fiction. The, one as well. This is a factual oh, children's factual, program. Yeah. Factional. Say. Yeah. Um, so we've got Blue Peter from Chris, and who from you, Chris? Um, Rich. <laughs> a Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, you might <laughs> go for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. On a crossover event with like oh, woof, Cuban missile crisis. Well, Rich, it was indeed the no I'm joking. It was Blue Peter. Well done, Chris. Oh, hey. That's terrible. <laughs> I think that might be, shame. Yeah, could have been could have been a lot worse, but crisis could was it? averted. Okay. Um, the light entertainment performance. And <laughs> <was laughs> this is no way like, light entertainment. Oh God. The Iraq um, War. I was going <laughs> to say yeah. The Gulf War, yeah. <laughs> the first Gulf, Gulf War, War, yeah. <laughs> Saddam Supergun. Falklands. Saddam <laughs> Supergun. You Do you not remember that? No, Saddam I don't. Supergun, is that like a... I, we we so talked super, about it at primary school. Was this when Saddam yeah, Hussein puts a cape on and pretends to fly? Yeah, he, he rebranded Megatron into the Saddam Supergun. <laughs> which always found weird in Transformers that he was just an actual two-scale could've... flying gun. <laughs> uh, yeah, look up, look, look up the set. I'm sure the Saddam Supergun is a thing. Okay. It sounds like a lewd sex act. <laughs> yes, Chris. It don't does. do, don't do the Saddam Supergun again if it involves a stick on moustache. That's what he did to Gaddafi, wasn't it? <laughs> oh God. Moving on. <laughs> there was pre- <laughs> night entertainment right. performance of 1992. <sighs> uh. Rowan Atkinson for The Curse of Mr. Bean. <laughs> Patricia Roulette for Keeping Up Appearances. Patricia said, Roulette? I just said, I was just about to say, I've just said, Rowan is, called her a, like, a is that where you got like five people named Patricia and you got to guess which one's the right one? Yeah, it's like from, Which one's um, going to die? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> never mind the Buzzcocks used to do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to love that. And they oh used my to God, give the, the, so the, the yeah. discount name gags as well. It was like savage as well. That it used to like just be so horrible to the people. But the best part was that the ga- the people that they had there lining up for <laughs> specifically for the gap fill, you could see them lose their shit when they used to say something really random and off the wall, and it's like yeah. couldn't they couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, amazing, amazing. <laughs> sorry, sorry. sorry anyway, Patricia Routledge. 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 Thank you, thank you, Rich, for saving me. That's right. I was just on dig- there carrying to dig in my own hole. Um, Rowan Atkinson, just to remind you, Richard Wilson, or some person from Dr. Dead Donkey. 
<laughs> some really, person. Yeah, Hayden. So, Hayden Gwynny. No. <laughs> Gwynny. Gwynny. How do? Hayden Gwynny. H A Y D N. Looks Welsh to me. Yeah. Uh, G W Y double N E. Hayden G. There, that would do. H G. I love it. Yeah, we'll just go H G. This is going to some really random places tonight. Who won it? Um, Patricia Routledge or Patricia Roulette? Thank you. That's, that's I want to say. Um, I just give me that chat roulette. Someone <laughs> there cock out on a webcam. Jesus. Um, I'm going to say <laughs> Leslie Grantham. God no, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> just some respect, Chris. <laughs> oh dear. Um, Richard Wilson. Okay. It was indeed Richard Wilson. Well How done, Rich. Yeah. We're at one-one. I believe it. I don't believe it. Let's um, uh, let's get the actress and actor in, and then we'll move on. Um, the actress of um, television. <laughs> Sorry. Of oh television. God. One act two. One act two. Everything. Jeez. I'm sorry. Who? If anyone's actually listening, um, I'm sorry. But um, yeah, I'm sorry. Just 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 soak it up and enjoy it and. The best we've done uh, yet. Don't worry. Don't apologise. Just, just hope that it brings some form of smile to your, to your face at some point. Um, Lindsay Duncan for GBH. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Sounds enthralling. I know. Zoe Wanamaker <laughs> for Prime Suspect. Hey, go on, Zoe. She's cool. Uh, Helen Mirren for Prime Suspect. Or Prunella Scales for a question of attribution. She said a question of sport, man. The scale was question. Can you imagine Prune had a scale? She's playing, great, she's playing, was it Graham Goff? Was yeah. um, um, I'm going to say Prune had a scale. Okay. I'm going to go Sorry, Wanamaker. Sorry, Wanamaker's yeah. from a powerhouse family of theatre actors and Scott. Yeah. Um, you're both wrong. It was Helen Mirren. Oh. oh. Well, that's fair. That's a safe, that's a safe bet as well. So it makes sense. Uh, still at 1-1, one, one. so the last one is um, The Decider. I'm shocked you're keeping score on this. <laughs> really, I know, right? <laughs> I'm impossible like, to do, but we managed, uh, yeah. so well done. I'm surprised as well, considering, yeah. um, considering what's going on right now. <laughs> just talking bollocks <laughs> the last two minutes. Basically, <laughs> <Just like>. yeah. <laughs> um, Television actor of 1992 was between Tom Bell of Prime Suspect, John Bell. Thor of Inspector Morse, I think this is like the third year in a row now he's been in this. Okay. Michael Palin for GBH or Robert oh, Robert Lindsay for GBH. <laughs> um, what is GBH? My God. I don't know. I've never heard of it. Um, I'm going to say John Thor. Has to be Morse, surely. This is going to be like the third time lucky, right? Yeah, but I reckon it's Morse. Chris? I'm going to go for the wild card and go for Robert Lindsay. Power to the people and all of that, you know. Wow, there's a wild card. <laughs> That's um, a really obscure reference for those not yeah. in there. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America gif, there you go. <laughs> I understood that reference. <laughs> you ruined the joke, Chris, you ruined the joke. <laughs> um, it was indeed Robert Lindsay. No. Well done, Chris. No. Winner. The winner, 2-1. How do you feel, Chris? Um, the same as I did half an hour ago. Okay. 
Mate, you'd never make it in underwater, would you? No. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> well, let's go to what we're really here for, shall we? And we've all brought our TV show choices for this episode. Um, Games Master. Ooh. Shall we have a chat about this TV show that debuted yes. in this year? Let's. Master was a half an hour TV program that was 25 minutes in length on Channel 4. Um, in Dominic Diamond's words, it was kind of like a video game magazine program featuring um, reviews, tips and cheats, and normally three challenges on three different video games. And every week they'd bring in a celebrity to do a celebrity challenge right in the middle right by the ad break which was always nice um what a show yeah i mean um obviously never seen anything like it beforehand it was the first of its kind um i think i like loved watching it so much because it gave me the opportunity to see games that i would never be able to afford or play yeah mm -hmm. exactly yeah yep and I was always very excited just to see what challenges they could come up with every week. I think that was one of the things that kept me excited for the show to see. And, and even like things like they did, um, you know, they did a challenge where you had two minutes to collect 150 rings in Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, and just, just things, just seeing someone trying to do that was just very exciting. Again, it was like the precursor to what we get on YouTube and Twitch now of, you know, express game playthroughs. Yeah. We try and beat it as quick as you can. Yeah. And I remember watching like you, Jason, Games Master and going, I will never, ever own this game. But you sit there and you literally watch people play or a few clips of people playing the game. And you're like, oh, yeah. that looks all right. Because remember, then, back in 1992, we obviously didn't have, like you say, we didn't have Twitch, didn't have the no. internet. We, we never really saw what the games looked like running on mm -hmm. the console because all we had was magazines yeah um so to see the games running especially like from um they sometimes got they start they played games on the show that wasn't being released that they they get them on the show like a couple of weeks before they would come out or they would uh like the times of the playstation release and the n64 release they they had <laughs> oh, they, sorry yeah i'm laughing i know what you're laughing at but <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. I think so, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they, they had it quite a long time before it was out in, in the UK, because obviously because mm -hmm. of the way the video games worked back then with the release dates being so different in different territories. Um, that's, a, you could, that's why the import market was so large in those back then, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So just all that kind of stuff was exciting with Dominic Diamond's... Um, interesting presenting if you like 
if if, if that's fair to say. I mean, yeah. I think when I obviously watched it as a as a teenager, I never really paid much attention to the way in which he was saying things. But watching it back recently, my God, there's a load of sexual innuendos in that show. <laughs> yeah. From him especially. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So basically saying things like, you know, grab your joystick. Um, Give him a good waggle. That was one. Yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking of. Um, so if you like giving your joystick a good waggle in your bedroom, or, you know, just, just those kind of references. Uh, I just never noticed back in those di- in, the, in there, but blimey. It's just, it was just, I don't know how they got away with it. I think it was just so, um, it's, it's just the way he snuck it in there. I mean, it was the epitome of like innuendo. One thing that stands out to me with Dominic Diamond, I remember even in the Games Master magazine, he had a, a section in it called Dominic's Big Purple Column. <laughs> That's just the magazine, never mind the TV show. Um, but yeah, it, it just... I just think he just had that great sense of humour about him. I mean, yeah. delivered with that Scottish accent as yeah. well. It just it went over kids' heads in a way. Yeah, with the accent. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's, it's more. I don't know. Strange. I I must admit I haven't watched Games Master in years, and I'm going to admit I didn't really revisit it either. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that I actively watched back then. Mm-hmm. Really. I don't know why. I just kind of tuned in now and again when it was on the repeat on like a Sunday afternoon. But I think that was the other thing as well because it was on like at six p.m. at night, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was on Thursday night, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I remember. Well. <laughs> they were getting away with like showing, like playing Mortal Kombat. They did the whole gore special, didn't they? I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they did, they did a whole um, show on Mortal Kombat and they played. The first half on the Super Nintendo version without all the yeah. bloods and guts, and then the second half they played on the Mega Drive. Yeah, because um, I remember they did an episode like later at night, I think, but I think there was a later episode in the series where they actually showed fatalities and in, in like the normal slot, mm-hmm. which was like, what? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I saw it today, and I'm thinking like this was on at six o'clock. Um, I'm surprised that they got away with showing that as well. Yeah, considering the uproar. At the time of Mortal Kombat, when it came out, with those kind of fatalities and the the blood and the guts and all that kind of stuff. And then they're just showing it on pre-Watershed TV um, during the week. Yeah. It just made me surprised. But the... Sorry, what you were going to say, Tate? No, I was just going to say, I mean, kind of echoing what Chris said early on and what you said yourself, I think what was special about this show and other shows that came around the same year. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm old now, but I am. (laughs) But at the time, yeah, nowadays we're spoiled, but back then you had to kind of seek out this stuff. So whether it was magazines, whether it was television, if there were games that you didn't think you were ever going to play or games that you knew you wanted to have, Mm -hmm. but you were waiting for them to come out, especially at the time where we weren't, in an age of simultaneous worldwide releases and there was like localization and games would take a year to come out from Japan to like the West. Yep. It was quite an event to see gameplay on television. Yeah. Um, um because, yeah, you didn't have news sites, you didn't have YouTube, you did none of this stuff. So I And it was 
Sorry, go Sorry. On. I was going to say, I don't think magazines were given out free VHSs at the time this no. started either. Once in a while, maybe, but it was about yeah. it. Um, but yeah, it, that aside, the way the the way it was packaged to show with Dominic, with the challenges, it was just great television for someone of our age. Mm. The the sense of humour at the time, whether it was Dominic's, you know, innuendos or his diamondisms, as they call it on um, under consultation <laughs> podcast, it, it just appealed to. Um, that audience at the time it just encapsulated kind of that early gaming i mean people talk about how gaming kind of got really mainstream with like the playstation obviously this kind of started pre-playstation we're still very much in like your nes mega drive jaguar Philips cdi kind of era we hadn't quite gone from the whole nerds in the bedroom to like mainstream and like you know clubbers and adults mm-hmm. playing games yeah but it kind of had this kind of going back to, in a way to um men maven badly it had that kind of a slightly laddish yeah. packaging around it but it was kind of a little bit ahead of its time i mean even having someone like patrick moore as the games master that was oh, quite yeah. inspired yeah that wasn't something that was done in a cynical fashion to appeal to the people watching it was done because he was so completely like mm removed from what you would associate with gaming i mean hearing him talk about you know tips and cheats from zelda a link to the past it's like patrick moore is never going to talk about legend of zelda no. link to the past at <laughs> any no. other point in his life but here he is telling some kids in the consultation zone of how to do whatever you know it's just yeah i absolutely love that show it was it was came at a very special time it's one of those shows i had a real quite emotional attachment to up until the point it actually uh, finished. But speaking of the consultation zone, the, mm-hmm. the ones I've watched recently, um, I don't know how many children they pulled out of the uh, the, the audience to do these <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Um, they didn't seem very enthusiastic about when they received <laughs> their um, <laughs> cheat. Depends how many how many takes they did, they did and how yeah. long they were sitting in the studio. Uh, I, I think one was oh okay thanks mate and <laughs> moved on to the next one but I mean that I mean, was the other that was the other biggest thing of the show the consultation zone hoping mm-hmm. that yours gonna your game that you were playing at that time would get featured and show <laughs> you a cheat imagine that they were like waiting a whole week <laughs> it's I like, know. Oh, okay another week it's like <laughs> yeah. three minute segment barely even it's like no another <laughs> week no it's just some of those you could tell were staged as well. Some of the people used to show up, they were kind of either giving like the games master some proper like back chat because they used to get the ones that were like quite rude and you'd be like, yeah, I won't help you. But <laughs> And next, and you just basically just banished them off and it, they used to kind of chuck some like little skits in there, some little jokes and they used to make like little, not characters out of the kids that appeared, but they had that the real desperate person that wanted to walk through for something very, very, very simple. Mm-hmm. The games master used to just you know put them down and just say, I, "I won't even help you because this is so beyond easy. You don't need my help." And yeah, it, it was quite funny. Um, sometimes I did wonder whether Dominic Diamond did the script for Patrick Moore, but mm. I, I did think sometimes that it, he sounded quite like. Dominic in some ways yeah with what he was saying but the series progressed and from series one 
and each series had its own setting and with, with series one being set in a church um with a budget of ten thousand pound an episode which wow. you th- which you think um they did really well with that money considering mm-hmm. the the effects and everything else that they did um and then in series two they they did a really cool thing i thought where they started it like they did the old the the, the last series and they were going through the the normal like intro and every, and going talk to the games master and everything else but every now and again there'll be a twitch or or like a little uh, fuzzy bit on the screen would appear mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yep. then it will get really worse and worse and worse and then they just it'll just all go blurry and squiggly and everything like the like a VHS tape had got screwed up in in the player mm. and then it and then it just cut to a completely new intro um for a completely new setting and I just thought that was really cool. I can't, I couldn't remember yeah. that at all. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, so in series two, they were set on an oil rig, and you could, you could tell <laughs> that the show had it was popular because when you compared it to the first series and the ch- the church, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the set was big enough, but this that was massive. That and was the, like the the when you say games master it's that second series the oil rig that opening graphics with a helicopter i yes. always think that that's games master like mm-hmm. you know yeah. yeah absolutely but continue um and then in series 3 uh dominic departed mm. um and dexter fletcher um t- took the mantle games master like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, what, what a difference from from this you know kind of charismatic smooth scottish um you know of accent of dominic with his um diamondisms to i love you said that now <laughs> to dexter's east london all right, mate, how's it going? Let's go see the Games Master, shall we, and see what he's got cooking in the oven. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, though, going back to old episodes of him and listening to Under Consultation as well, it's easy, and I was one of those people. I will hold my hand up. We all kind of think, oh, Series 3 with Dexter was shit. But, you know, what? actually, it's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with him at no. all. He's just, no. he's just not Dominic, and yeah. that's why everyone rags on him. But... There is nothing wrong with what he does. He's enthusiastic. He's a great host. I, think I don't feel like he actually does like games and doesn't really know no. anything. Yeah. Unlike Dominic, who has kind of gone on record of you know, being a bit of a gamer. Sure. But yeah, but he, does, he does a good job. He's actually quite good at um, just being excited. Yeah, he's you know, commanding the, the crowd, crowd and just yeah. getting everyone. He's a good hype man. Yeah. Um, but. I think because from the uh, the previous two series, it, Dominic had just been kind of not typecast in a way. Maybe you know, mm. it's not Games Master without Dominic Diamond. Yeah, uh, and so for him not to be there, it just didn't seem like it was Games Master. Yeah, I mean the reason he left as well was obviously quite interesting as well. I can't. I'm not sure. I didn't look that up to be honest. It Can was basically because obviously the show got quite big. Um, <laughs> Kind of a, a Wayne's World kind of thing, actually. Um, McDonald's uh, sponsored yep. the show, and uh, Dominic uh, Diamond says, yep. "I'm not doing it." Oh, like, okay. either remove oh, the sponsorship. I had no idea that happened. Yeah, yeah, he's like, "I don't want to be associated with it. I don't like them. I don't oh, want to be associated okay. with their brand." And he walked. Yeah, that's, so, that's what I was going to mention yeah. next. You know, like how the yeah. show progressed, and then they managed to get the sponsor of McDonald's. Yeah, and so. that was the reason why. Yep. 
Well, that was the only reason why. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Quite well, nuts. I'm glad quite he. Fair play I'm to him. Glad he got over it for series four because he returned. Yeah. Um, bigger. The show was bigger, better. The the intro was more elaborate. Opening, you know, it, it's uh, the intros from this point onwards always set the scene for what whatever setting they had for the show. Um, and you could tell there was just a lot more money in the show from this mm-hmm. from this point definitely onwards. And series four was based in hell, <laughs> um, and obviously Dominic being the devil, you know, the ruler of, of hell. Um, series five obviously reversed it and was set in heaven, and this was the first series where he started having girl groupies. Can you remember the two girls that he had from this show yeah. series onwards, and and. The show changed. You you never saw the kids anymore. You never saw the audience. It was no. all about the, the the set, the Dominic, and obviously what, whatever else was going on in the show, and, and and his two girls. It was so show of his time as well. I always remember he had the um, I think it was series five. He had the uh, he got married to Wickfield, which is the most dicey <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> and she's like she's like corpsing on camera. She can't keep a straight face. She's pretending to cry because she's so emotional <laughs> at the wedding. And she's just pissing herself. And it was just... a Saturday night in a wedding, right? Oh, shut up. <laughs> oh, come on. That joke wrote itself. It was good. It was good. <laughs> I'm looking at the list of guests now on Series 5, and it's just magnificent. Donna Air, fucking um, Johnny Herbert, Mark Blundell, Cobra and Panther from Gladiators, Ronnie O'Sullivan, <laughs> EYC, <laughs> Wigfield, Patsy Palmer and Dean Gaffney. <laughs> Mr. Motivator. It doesn't Shirley, get more 90s than that, does it? It's just like beautiful. <laughs> that, oh, is, geez. that is beautiful, definitely. Oh, Patsy Palmer yeah. and Mr. Motivator, oh my God. Michael Fish. Jesus Speaking God. of him, he's he's reared his head again on a morning TV, I've noticed. Mr. What? Motivator. Oh, he's Michael Fish. No, not <laughs> Michael <surprising>. Fish. <laughs> um, and I also noticed in Series 5, there didn't seem to be as many challenges. It was more features about um, t- different things going on in the video game world and movies yeah, um, and those kind of things. And it seemed to be veering away from the challenges and more towards other things as well as video games, which I didn't really particularly like. It was in Games Master. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Series 6 pulled it back a little bit. They brought back the challenges more. It was more structured. Um, it seemed to be more like Games Master, but they seemed to manage to fit more time in for the features as well, the longer features. Um and this time I can't remember whether they still did the consultation zone in this new series. I think they I'm did pretty it. sure they always had it because even I remember even going back to um, late series three when they did the whole team challenge thing. They basically mm. partway through the series they just changed into like a, a team focus. It was basically like esports before esports, and they basically did away with all celebrities and the kids it was just teams but even then they still had the consultation zone mm-hmm. um i'm positive even in the later series they still had it i'm, I'm certain yeah yeah um there was one thing i meant I forgot to mention about series five because all i did i just went back and watched the first episode from each series mm-hmm. um and in series five they did this challenge but they did this challenge with toddlers um oh, God, with this um with this like <laughs> young kids computer video game and mate, it was painful to watch. Um, the last child, child that they wanted to participate in this challenge must have been about one and a half, two, and like he, 
the t- it was it was his turn to play the game, and like all he wanted to do was roll around on the floor, and then he started <laughs> crying on the on the show, and then like Dominic came off the, his um, commentator booth and he went over and he was trying to persuade the child to play the game, and like yeah. he's going, "Come on, mate, the computer's just there. I'll give you twenty quid." <laughs> <laughs> That's what's brilliant about him. It's like offering money to a fucking like six month old. It's just brilliant. <laughs> yeah. He says, "Come, on, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll give you fifty quid if you'll just go and play the game." And like, his time was ticking in the screen, like where, where you're supposed to be playing the game. It was just painful. I felt so sorry for him. And like I can imagine, Dominic was not happy man after that. I did not, indeed, no. Um, but yeah, series six was set in Atlantis. And series seven, the last one was set on a desert island. I love and, that one. Yeah, and in this one, Dominic seems to be pissed. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, there's like, you know, quit flying around, digs at people. You know, he just doesn't seem to care, and he just seems pissed off. That's my interpretation from that first series, anyway. Um, but I don't really feel like he wanted to be there. I don't know. It's a it's a it's a weird one because I mean, whenever I've heard him speak about like towards the end, he was still quite attached to the show. And I remember him talking about the final episode. It was quite hard to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, I always remember him very fond though of that last series. Mm-hmm. Just I always I always love the opening titles for the one with the desert island when he gets washed up on the shore and the girls mm-hmm. are there and just gives a thumbs up to the camera and the wink. <laughs> it was just like hey like, landed on my feet. It's like it's just um, yeah brilliant. Uh, and, and of course you know that the first guest he had on was Joe Guest. So of course, very happy man. That is nineties rather. But there was one big sour point of the show in completely, and that was Dave Perry. He, uh, <laughs> um, he, there was um, um, a major. Uh, I mean, I don't think Dominic and Dave got on that well anyway, or nah, off screen. Nah. But then uh, there was a, a Christmas special that they did, and they they had to do a challenge with another commentator, and it was the Cool Cool Mountain um, ice slide from Mario sixty four, <laughs> um, and basically it was just to see who could do that. Um, the fastest from start to finish um, now the first I can't remember the guy's name he went up and did it um, 30 seconds 33 seconds whatever and then yeah. it was Dave's turn so Dave got on and he played it and he um, just fell off the edge of the slide and just crashed and burned but yeah. then when when Dominic when they all got you know they have to go around and then stand on stage and then Dominic asks you know what happened and everything and Dave was pissed <laughs> yep <laughs> he was not a happy man. Uh, he basically said he was set up. Um, he said, like, you know, one one person's played this game and the other hasn't. It's not even out in this country yet. Uh, you know, um, his body language just oozed, like, so cross. And it was quite a big thing, really, isn't it? I always love the line when um, Dom's like, oh, you're a games journalist. Yeah, we can yeah, get this yeah. for you on import. You can play it. He's like, I'm not a games journalist. I'm a marketing manager. That's and he right. just stares off past the camera. He does not want to talk to Dom. He's <laughs> he was so livid, angry, wasn't he? <laughs> so livid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. The first time I played that course, it is bloody, it catches you out. Yeah. So I kind of feel for him for a bit. But 
going back to what you said, I do feel like there was a little bit of friction between him and Dom. Um, um, the, there's other, you know, there's people out there that saying that Dave was putting it on a little bit um, because there's obviously a shortcut on that course where if you time it right, you can come off the ramp, um, the top ramp, and then fall all the way down to the bottom mm-hmm. um, and land on, on, on the slide and then just finish. Um, and a lot of people say that that's what he was trying to do. And obviously he didn't pull it off. And he he had that reputation of being one of the best gamers in the country at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and for him to then just admit that he just uh, screwed it up would have been just um, a, a hit on his reputation at the yeah. time. So he, he did this whole palaver of just pretending about everything else that he, he said on the show. Um, but that's like a conspiracy theory. It's never been said by Dave Perry or by anybody else. Um, but there was um, Perry has admitted that he could have perhaps handled the situation better um, and acknowledges that the event was big news precisely because of his games and animal persona I probably should have just laughed it's the fact I was obviously upset and angry nobody had seen me getting beaten before and they liked that I reacted ungraciously and that's what made it big news I was just gutted because I really cared about Games Master I saw it as my baby, and then it turned round and bit me on the arse. Um, speaking with Eurogamer, Dave, uh, Dominic Diamond is animate that there wasn't any foul play. Oh, rubbish. Absolute rubbish. He wasn't set up. Kirk didn't give a shit. I think Kirk is the other uh, the guy he was playing against. <laughs> um, Kirk was stoned all the time. Kirk and I were goofing off all the time. Dave did all kinds of things behind the scenes to try and cheat because he was the only person in the history of the show to take it too seriously. It was a bit of fun. Dave was hoist by his own... Petard. Petard, yes. Well done. Someone's always reading that with me. (laughs) But it's interesting stuff. There's lots of stuff out there about it. So if you're interested, then uh, yeah, just Google it and um, you can read all about it. Um, But yeah, Games Master ran for 137 episodes between 1992 and 1998. And um, mm. beautiful, beautiful show. Do you know that um, Dom and Patrick Moore only actually ever really met once and they kind of bas- basically just passed each other and said no. hi and that was it. That yep. makes sense, really. But no, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's quite sad, really. But yeah, um, it's quite sad. Yeah. It's a shame. Anyway, on to Rich's choice. Mm. Rich, what have you bought to the show this week? I have bought the big breakfast yay so yeah i mean the big breakfast was um in the purest sense of the word like a light entertainment show from seven till nine on uh, weekday mornings on channel four um went up against the likes of i think it was tvam at the time wasn't it on itv i believe i believe so yeah yes it followed on from i think it was channel four daily um and this was it was basically it flew in the face of what we were used to at the time of like morning television it wasn't stuffy news it was almost like something you'd expect on a friday night 
in the evening on Channel <laughs> yeah. 4. It was a but, breakfast magazine show, basically. Yeah. Every morning before school, which is like, <laughs> yeah. and it's that was the thing. It had the energy of your favourite morning, like you thought of like mm. Saturday mornings with like you know you're, you're going lives, you're live and kicking. It had that energy and the guests, and just it just kept moving. It just didn't stop. It never dragged. It made you laugh, mm. but it was at that time of the week each day that you really didn't like. You had to wake up. You had to get ready for school. Yeah, it made you want to get up. Yeah. It hyped it, you up before school or work. It just sent you buzzing, basically, which is yeah. what it was designed to do. <laughs> it just, yeah, compared to a lot of types of BBC Breakfast, which mm. I think it was at the time still, it was just, I think even against TV nowadays, it was so refreshing in that yeah. it felt, it didn't have um, your traditional studio setting. It felt like this lived-in environment. It wasn't stuffy it was like you were hanging out with a bunch of mates in the house mm. like the the way even on a technical level the way they produced it it was just kind of like thrown together they just basically kind of winged it Cam, you know the cameraman would run from the house from room to room it was yeah. never like preset shots they had to basically track the presenters upstairs into the bathroom into the bedroom down to the living room it was just it was like unlike it was unlike anything i'd seen before at the time and the way it would bring in i think over time i don't know about initially but it would bring in like the actual the floor crew as well so you had all your yeah that crew, was from like, the beginning um, i watched the yeah, first episode yeah, it was it, yeah of course it was it, yeah it kind of gives you it doesn't just go oh well we're the we're today's anchors and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's literally like this is the family the production family we have the sound guy the grip guy we have the camera guy we have the dolly guy we have the boom mic guy and even the producers and the script writers and editors are on set in that lounge, yeah, <laughs> in that house, live. I mean, even like the latest Anything series could go wrong. Even the latest series, we've got like the crew. You had all the you had like um, baby Benjamin. You had like sturdy mm. girl, strength of ten, <laughs> yeah. carpet yeah. monster, carpet it's monster, like... <laughs> carpet monster. Yeah, and it's like oh, it's just it was brilliant. Like I say, you felt like you had a bunch of friends. You felt really yeah. pulled into it. It wasn't. You can't. It's just like this tangible thing. It just you felt connected to what you were watching. It wasn't just television. It was a bunch of mates. Right up to the very end of that show, like kind of like Games Master with Dom. He had that demeanor about him. He had that style where you felt like you were pals. And it was very sad at the end when it all kind of ended. But I won't get ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the show started out presented by Gabby Roslin and Chris Evans, and that mm-hmm. was on the 28th September, 1992. Nice. And I mean, watching the episode only, what, the other week, it was just, it surprised yeah. me how much it still just made me laugh. It 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 didn't feel like one of those things you went back to revisit it, and you're like, Christ, this feels, this feels like it's, you know, almost... I think I know why, because when I was revisiting it, the, the energy is universal. Yeah. There's so much energy behind God, it. It's almost 30 years like, old, Jesus. Yeah, literally <laughs> oh, so much energy from the presenters to production. It's just buzzing, electric energy, the whole thing, for two and yeah. a half hours in the morning. And I think that's why it hasn't dated, because, yes, it might have dated you know, what people are wearing or what they're talking mm-hmm. about, yes, but the actual overall feeling of it is still this energetic, fast pace, like you said earlier, just doesn't stop. Yeah. literally doesn't stop the only time it really stops is when you get to segments like the boudoir with the eight poorly eights you know? yeah 
that's I, when it kind of as a little bit of a lull, you know, or the or the big interview that they'd have, you know. Depends who they had on, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I remember there was this one on the first episode. I don't know if you guys watched the very first episode. There was the one really like hard hitting interview that Gary Roslin did with some woman who like fled Iran or something. Just and set someone like, on fire or something. Didn't yeah, you? I was like, the fuck are we doing? We don't be watching all these like just antics the, in the house. They brought up all like, this energy um, yeah. and all this happiness, and then they brought on this woman who was yeah. like, it was such. a uh, demoralizing, depressing story. Mm-hmm. Gabby Rosling doing a like panorama voice. It was like <laughs> I think really, it like, was it was hush. almost mm. as if like a show so early in its like time was just trying to find what it was going to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. doing yeah. bits and bobs of everything before it before it found the ADHD gene and uh, <laughs> became <laughs> my, what it is. My favorite part of the first episode was uh, Mark Lamar. Um, out. Oh God! I, I, was, I was shocked I watching totally that. Forgot like, he was that would that. I... that would not fly nowadays. You're just no. stopping traffic, like and then mate, random like, people getting in your car and having to drive off with them. A guy playing the accordion was amazing. Was it the yeah. accordion or something? Yes. The woman who's like the opera singer as well. Yes. It's like, yeah. This is incredible. Like, I just like it was crazy. Like just seeing the cars as well. And I'm thinking, I can't remember the cars being looking that old in the nineties, but it looked like yeah. something that it should have been out of the seventies. Yeah, um, seriously, I know it's yeah horrifying. Because you, you always think, don't you, like, and I do the same with cars, you're not alone, where you think, oh, cars have always looked modern and, like, all curves and stuff. And then when you watch an old TV show, you're yeah. like, what the hell is that? Like, yeah, it looks like you a know, cheap... Going, <laughs> you know, and some old school shaped Fiesta and a um, yeah. Ford Escort and, you know, and, <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was just, wow, it just blew my mind a little bit, but... That, that first segment with Mark Lamar, I was thinking, what the fudge are they doing? Like, this guy just got in the car and just started laughing. And it was just bizarre. But, yeah, it was quality. It was probably, yeah. probably my favourite section. Yeah, it definitely. It's one of the things I actually forgot about. I always think of, like, um, I mean, I always, I always attach it to old Cheggers. Rest in peace, old Cheggers. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, because he used to go used to down the, the door old... to door, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. That, that was the one I always remember. And that's another thing about the show as well, like, what you lose with similar shows like your TVMs at the time, your BBC Breakfast, was that because this show was in a house where you had like the the French windows, you know, you had the doors behind mm. like the presenters. It was a proper house. Yeah, yeah, it had a chronology, it had like a chronology to it. So you went through the year watching it, and when it got to like winter time when it was getting dark, you got mm-hmm. to yeah, it was Christmas time. It, it created this feeling around it like you felt cozy like you saw it and yeah. you couldn't see the garden because behind them was because black. it was dark where you were and it was dark yeah. where they were it and then the summertime you're out in the garden stage. yeah you're in the garden in the summertime yeah. you know it's yeah. the height of summer and it's like they're doing most of the segments out there it, mm. it just it just felt different and I, again i can't put it into words but it just felt completely removed mm. from what you'd seen before um, and obviously, yeah, so the first era you had Chris Evans and Gabby Roslin, uh, the lovely Gabby Roslin, she's wonderful. <laughs> and then I think after that, Chris Evans, Evans, I think he reduced his days. Yeah, but he was mm. doing Don't Forget Your Toothbrush, wasn't he? And yeah. he kind of... TFI Friday. Yeah, he kind of ruined then it back in, bit. Then went back into radio where he started. Yeah. yeah. And then we got Joe Mango after that, didn't we? Or Mark Little. Oh, yes. Or actually, <laughs> no. Was, I thought he was in between... I thought he took over from Johnny when Johnny took a break. Oh, no, no. This was definitely... Um, I think it was Mark Little. Was it Mark and... Little before Johnny Vaughan? 
Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, because really? Mark Little I, came I in. I remember that. I'm sure I remember that later on. Because I think at one point you had Mark Little and like Zoe Ball, if I remember rightly. I think yeah. It was him and Gabby for a bit. And then Mark went away. And then that's when you had like Paul Ross. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus <God>. Christ. <laughs> I, I never liked Paul Ross. This is when you started to realise now that these presenters you forgot about. And then Paul Ross yeah. went away. You remember, you remember, does anyone remember Richard Orford? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll, you'll see a picture of him. He's like, oh, that guy. I remember him. <laughs> yeah. Do Google. You think, oh, yes. I remember him very well. And then after him, it was Cheggers. I think Cheggers got to be in the yeah. house for a bit. Yeah. And, yeah, it's was kind it of... some guy called Rick, wasn't it, that took over? Rick. Um... Glasses. Oh, Christ, it's gone did... now. Because um... they did, uh, if I remember Rick right, Adams. Rick Adams, yeah. Yeah. After Denise and John, well, because Denise left like numerous times, didn't she, to do other projects? She was always leaving and coming back. Yeah, she, because they were obviously right towards the end, like the heyday, weren't they? That's when the show yeah. like peaked. Yeah. At and least they, on a quality level. Um, they did a whole house remodel, if I remember. Ugh, do you remember yeah. that? It went yeah. from this homely, homely cottage on a riverbank to being this like, like. The only way I can describe it is like that scene in Beetlejuice. The Deets has come over and take over and do this they went, modern looking... They went Art Deco on it. They went all these like more muted colours and it was like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, it just... No, they weren't <sighs> muted. They were more garish colours, if I remember. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I and think this is later on when they did they the reading. They took the staircase out and built a massive swimming pool and I was like, what the hell is going You're on You're now here? turning it into the thing we tried to get away from it. So, yeah, I mean, prior to that whole, like, um, complete remodel, I know they did, like, I think after after we got past the initial, like, um, Chris Evans, Gabby Roslin era, and we had the few, like, rotating mm. replacements for Chris, then Zoe Ball came in to replace Gabby Roslin. Mm. And that's, I think, Mark Little was still there, still there at the time, and I think they fell out, rumour has it. And then we got Rick Adams and bloody Sharon Davies. Christ, <laughs> that was ugh, not good, not good. And then, then, and then we got into the golden age, and yeah. that's when when Denise Van Outen came in. Originally, she was going to come in to be a weather presenter. I was going to say, yeah, she was some to the weather. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she then got a role in the house, and her and Johnny Vaughan that, that the chemistry. Yeah. Seriously, you can feel that in the air. They had the Mulder and Scully, will they or won't they factor as well, which everyone yeah. loves on television. Um, but you think of, obviously, you know, the dawn of the show, you think, oh yeah, Chris Evans and Gabby, but it's like, you think Big Breakfast as a whole, and it's Johnny and Denise. I think Johnny and Denise all the time. Yeah. That Absolutely. chemistry was electric. That was just, again, it just made you so happy before you leave the house in the morning. You're literally bouncing to school or work after watching yeah. everything. But yeah, I think what was kind of, again, going back to the men behaving badly thing, again, I think what was good about Denise at the time, it was very much of its time because she had that kind of ladette culture about yeah. her as well. She was a bit worried about the lads and like, you know, just mm. being like quite sexual, but not in a way that was, you know, what people were used Overly. to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she was hysterical. And mm -hmm. Johnny was just. He had the rule every man about him. You just felt like he's your mate, and it. Yeah. I, I can't put into words how much I love their chemistry. I mean, the segments mm. that kind of were born from their sense of humor. You did the um, yeah. Remember vital statistics? Vital statistics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the pun down. The pun and, down. Um, yeah. Or the bulldog the pun spirit of the week. stuff. The pun of the week. 
Yeah. Pun the way he goes it. I just and then they did the games as well, like Morty Vicar. And they're just Morty yeah. Vicar. What, what was your one? Um, was it Beat the Banger as well, wasn't it? That was one of theirs. Beat the Banger. Dante. I always remember Morty. I always remember Morty Vicar though, when like um, Johnny used to dress up as the vicar. And, yeah. Like, Denise was dressed up as a nun. Like, yeah. Silence! And he like, used to raise his hand to her. <laughs> she used to be cowering like it's like and her teeth sticking out. And I was just crying. What was the other like, one they did where there were like German people with... I remember with, the like, one did the American tourists. sausages and stuff like that. And, yeah. And the American tourists where they did scores with cheeseburgers. Yeah, elastic top jeans. <laughs> and they were doing like scores with like that's ten cheeseburgers. <laughs> it's just like and then you've got oh just it's all coming back. It's crazy. I just, <laughs> how, I, d- how did you feel about um uh, Kelly Brook? I actually didn't mind her at the time. Yeah, I felt bad for her because you tell she was really kind of out of her depth she wasn't yeah. a presenter she she struggled you could see it um and I, I i get it they tried to go for someone obviously very attractive it was mm. after the back of denise they wanted to have a bit of glamour because i know um lisa tarbuck actually won they did like an internet thing i actually People voted for lisa person. tarbuck lisa tarbuck was uh, fantastic like, other than Johnny Grace. yeah yeah her and Johnny were amazing together. Mm. Um, and it was a shame they basically kind of rigged it in a way. They went with Kelly because I think that's what they—that's the win—that's the winner they mm. wanted. But it didn't pay off. Um, but at least it was amazing. Um, yeah, I—I love—I love Lisa Starbuck, and I don't know what she's doing nowadays, but she was fantastic. Yeah, at the time. I remember when she was first announced. This was quite late in the nineties, wasn't it? Yeah. Or like two or two years before it ended. Yeah. And I remember going, Lisa Tarbuck. I literally remember sitting there one morning going, really? And then it's the whole, it's the whole Catherine Tate replacing, um, uh, what's the name, Froome Regiment on Doctor Who. This is going to yeah. be a random tangent. Everyone's like, Catherine Tate, really? Mm-hmm. That annoying, loud, red-headed comedian. And then do you know what? It turns out she was one of the best that have ever yeah. been on screen. Yeah. And the same with Lisa Tarbuck. I literally remember thinking this like three or four weeks back, exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just remember being very impressed with Lisa Tarbuck. Obviously, she's you know comedy royalty, second generation. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me. I mean, her and Johnny had a great chemistry, and mm. obviously after that, we kind of. Uh, uh, sadly, I think at the time, I think Johnny was starting to. Um, I know he's taken off like a month each summer and mm. that's when people would come in to fill in for him. I forget who used to fill in for him around that time. I, but, I honestly can't remember. Because then obviously Denise had gone and Johnny was obviously on his way out and that's when Denise mm. came back for like four months, I think. Yeah, then she left again then came back. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they left. It was like, they basically, Johnny and Denise left together to basically mm. that Start way. a new generation of or yeah. a new... Start fresh, basically. Yeah, because they left, was it five years to the day that Gabby Rosling left the show, which mm. was quite nice, mm. in a way. Um, and then we got to the shit era, when they basically <laughs> yes. tried to rebrand it and make yeah. it kind of edgy, and they brought in like hacks like um, Paul Tonkinson and yeah. Amanda Byram and Donna Air. <laughs> and they just, I remember, I remember they did a campaign for it, and it was like the BB, and it was like flames, yeah. and they did the whole art deco thing for the house, and it was just like, 
what are we doing? And then Richard Bacon resurfaced again after mm. he wiped his nose off. Um, <laughs> Got his septum and, put back in. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, that was Daniela Westbrook. <laughs> no, that septum's long gone. You, know, fucking, uh, you can't find that. It's down the couch somewhere, I think. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, it just, it, the wheels fell off. He had bloody Johnny mm. Vegas doing down your doorstep. Yeah. It just... It was all the worst parts of like Channel Four at that time. It just—it was that classic beating a dead horse. Yeah, like, it felt like those kind of names. Go out on they... a high rather than squeeze every ounce of something you can out of it that's not there. Yeah, and they just—they remodeled the house, and it was just—it it just lost didn't look the same. All the charm, mm. and yeah, I don't know. I—I I, I tuned out after that, and mm. it was sad in a way. Like you talk about Games Master earlier, that show ended. Mm-hmm. It ended the way you remembered it. And it was sad, yeah. but that show ended completely unrecognisable. Yeah. And I find that the saddest thing. And maybe some ways it made it easier. Because I don't know how I would have handled it if like, the very last episode was Johnny and Denise just waving as the camera panned yeah. away from the lawn. I was like, <laughs> but it just, yeah, I, it's, just, it's a shame. It's always inevitable. These broadcasters can't help themselves. They have to basically mm. strip mine all the charm out of things because I get it. Ratings slide for whatever reason and they have to try and find a way to you know, it, it change just, up the formula. Yeah, but that, that, I think it just had its time, hadn't it? It, it ran yeah. its course mm. yeah. at that high of Johnny and Denise and Kelly yeah. and that's when it should have ended. Yeah. Instead of, like you say, just trying to drip every last ounce out of yeah. it, and just tainted the 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 show, yeah, from, from memories. Indeed, I mean, I guess I would be remiss to say as well. I need to mention this because it would be a crime against humanity if I didn't. But one of the things I will thank that show for me is giving me and giving all of us Zig and Zag. <laughs> yeah, say, who I Zog. loved. <laughs> I was obsessed with them. And again, going back to the, the Gladiators thing, it was really exciting at the same time to see something British that was like heavily merchandised. Mm-hmm. You had to see these singles. Remember them yeah. girls, them girls, and yeah. turn off the landing light. <laughs> and that was the time we used to do like the, the, the reggae lyrics. Right? Mm. And it just, oh God, I, just, I loved the songs they released. I had the figures. Had, yeah, um, we had plush toys, figures, hand puppets, yeah. lunch boxes, flasks, Zig everything. The com- I remember getting Zig and Zag the oh, comic. Oh, Zig and Zag the well. comic, yeah. I just, I loved Zig and Zag so mm. much. He's <laughs> 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 in the bathroom. I just loved them. Them and Ben yeah. the Boffin doing video games reviews and just, oh, I, just, I love for them. So, I, for I some just, reason, the only one that sticks in my head with Zig and Zag is obviously Bob Geldof was a big part of the production company. It was his yes. production company that started the whole thing off. Yep. And he wanted something very irreverent and different to kickstart people's mornings. Yep. And they had him on as a guest of honour, essentially. <coughs> and they're sitting in the bathroom. <laughs> and I, I don't know why I remember this. And it, I don't think it's even on YouTube. I'll have to have a look. But they sit there and say, Bob Geldof, Mr. Geldof, responsible for all this charitable work and everything like that. It's got, and he's, if one of them turns around and says, uh, see what I've got in my hand here, Bob? He's <laughs> like, yes, it's a it's a bar of soap, Bob. Go and use it and wash. And I remember sitting there going, oh <laughs> my God. Like, and he didn't even break a sweat. I don't know if it was scripted or not, right. but it was just like one of these sublime moments where you just go, 
did that puppet just tell Bob Geldof to go and have a wash from a bar of soap? <laughs> it was kind of oh. amazing as well with like um, Zig and Zag because I kind of look at them similar to um, Ernest, the character, mm. like how yeah. they were basically this local, they were basically characters on like Irish kids TV, weren't they? Think so, and yeah. they just kind of got elevated to this much bigger platform. Mm. They were like almost regional in a way, and then they just become more than nationally just blew up. They got like a much larger platform. They got put on this different show, and suddenly they were like a household name. I think they were like an RTE or something. They were like properly Irish. I mean, you can hear it actually when you listen to them now. They are mm. Irish. Do you know what? I've never really thought about it. No. Yeah massively irish so i don't know what the accent is on uh, planet zog but <laughs> <laughs> they just i i love zigzag um yeah I, I love the big breakfast and it's been an absolute joy to go back and watch some of the episodes prior Those to magnificent people that have uploaded it onto youtube complete yeah. with ad breaks and oh, the all ad breaks, the skits and everything i was seeing a wagon wheels commercial again in the world oh, the wild yeah, I just like cry tears of joy seeing that commercial, and I know it's not, that's not the big breakfast, but yeah, it, along the way it was just, um, it just was a time capsule, and it yeah. was just wonderful to watch. And, and I remember it's one of those addresses that I've known off by heart for about twenty odd years now. Go on, it's Chris, just, say it. Well, two lock keepers, Cottage Old Ford, Lock London E three two N N. The phone number. 
If I went that way, I'd go down through India, but we've chosen a route that way, 30 degrees east, line of longitude, down through Russia and Africa. It's going to be a hell of a long journey, but uh, well, let's go. I, I used to enjoy the Michael Palin shows and found them very interesting, especially, yet again, uh, pre-internet days where we, mm. we didn't have it to hand to, to see it on the tip telly and for, for him to be going around all these um, places that you've never seen before yeah, um, was, was, a, was, a, was a, a treat to, to see, really. Yeah, and I, I have memories of these travelogue shows because um, my dad was kind of really into them before he left mm-hmm. and my granddad was extremely into his travelogues my granddad was a well-traveled guy and they lived in the south of france when i was still here and i remember pole to pole and round the world in 80 days being one of like the five or six vhs's they had in the house in france mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was one of those things that i just remember watching and i was at that perfect age where i started absorbing all the knowledge of stuff that still you hold to today and i was very into not so much geography but just factual stuff i couldn't get enough of it when i was about seven or eight for some reason and i don't think i remember watching this when it first broadcast in 92 i think i remember finding this like mid to late 90s when it's repeated mm-hmm. but i always remember seeing the videos and the books around my granddad's house or whatever and when I, I remember watching it being fascinated because obviously the BBC pay these people to do these things so you don't have to, essentially. <laughs> they're doing things that you will never, ever do in your life unless you have a never-ending pot of money or opportunity. Sure. Yeah, especially the journey that he did between the South and the yeah. Pole. Yeah. You'd never and dream of doing that in your lifetime, really, would you? No. And to no. go from such a gamble to cha- literally change entertainment career paths... For someone known for irreverent schoolboy humour from Monty Python, Michael Palin goes from that to travelogue documentaries. And he does a really good job. And he's fantastic. Yeah. And this is the main reason why when I was re- doing the research and re- visiting the TV shows from this year, <clears throat> I remember being absolutely captivated by watching it and realising how much the world has changed and also how much it hasn't changed in the past 30 odd years. He is such a captivating presenter along the lines of like David Attenborough. Where I think, you I think he's just because he's so curious, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He just he just has this just way of having this way of talking to you where it's not condescending. Mm-hmm. Whereas you get some people who talk when you watch them do these things, and they they're almost talking down to you as if to say like, Oh, I do this every day you know mm-hmm. Michael Palin was one of those guys I think from humble beginnings and he never forgot that yeah he never once forgot his humble beginnings and it showed when he's going through these countries and seeing these people in very very poor states some of them you know slums most of the times and people living on the streets and literally trying to sell you stuff there was one scene I watched earlier was it earlier today yesterday where they were they wanted to charge his production crew just for looking at something that's how desperate these people were for cash Mm -hmm. and by by remembering that kind of that humbleness that he had this very easy easygoing attitude as well 
he never judged anybody and he was very very courteous never once asked for anything more never once asked for the best suite in the hotel he was always roughing it with everyone and when I was revisiting it I just remember being absolutely captivated by the locations where he went the route they took from North Pole to South Pole going all the way through parts of Europe all the way through Africa down through the Sudan <coughs> and all the way literally all the way down that continent and just seeing how much the Middle East has changed in the past 28 years is shocking mm. I don't want to know no. it's a bit depressing yeah. <laughs> no no not shocking someone, but it's like when when they were travelling down the first thing they were going through borders and the first thing I thought of was I don't think you could do this today with things like ISIS operating down there no, mm. no you literally not. it would be so impossibly hard to do it yeah, and I just remember just I again I don't remember when I first found this. I just remember going, "That's really interesting." I'm gonna rewatch it, and I rewatched all all episodes over the past week or so. And he did Round the World in eighty days about three or four years before this, and again for the BBC, and they were retracing the fictional Phileas Fogg's route of Round the World in eighty days to see if they could do it. This comes along. And I'm just going to give you a quick plot synopsis for those not familiar with this show. <laughs> it's an eight-part documentary travel series made for the BBC. First broadcast on BBC One in 1992. Michael Palin, famous for being uh, part of Monty Python, this being his second major journey for the BBC. The first was Around the World in 80 Days, a seven-part uh, first broadcast on BBC One in 1989. And the third was Full Circle with Michael Palin, the 10 part broadcast on 19, in 1997. The trip from North Pole to South Pole went via Scandinavia, the Soviet Union, parts of Europe, and straight through the heart of Africa. The intention was to follow the 30 degree east line longitude, which would cover most the most land. One last uh, minute diversion Chile, including South America, using aircraft and boats as little as possible. The whole trip lasted five and a half months. It's not long, really, is it? That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. They did all of that in five and a half months. And there's actually a breakdown of how many countries he visited. And I can't remember. It's like 240 odd. They passed through 240 odd countries. Bloody hell. Um, incredible. But that, that's the kind of thing I like about this. These kind of shows is that you do see these, you know, the like you say, like Sudan and... And countries similar that you have a uh, impression of, and mm. when you see it and you see their culture and everything else, and it just completely changes the way in which you think about those particular countries. Yeah, and yeah. I was obsessed at, at this point, probably mid nineties, when I was maybe ten or eleven, and I think it started when I was in secondary school in year five and six. They were kind of like getting us ready for the second for secondary school in primary school mm -hmm. yeah. and they had us doing I don't know about your primary schools but we did something called an investigation where you literally get given a subject and you give given access to the library and whatever computer software like probably probably would have been in Carter or something Jeez, like that Carter. Oh. <laughs> <coughs> and uh, we'd be doing investigations and we had to do a, a brief and a contents page and break it down into segments and then literally 
write and produce evidence and could be photocopies or hand-drawn stuff from books that we found. Now, this is before the internet, kids. This is when we touched books that were made of paper. Had <laughs> <laughs> to smell them as well. Yeah. yeah. I remember doing investigations on ancient Egypt and I was quite, I got quite into it. And I remember being so fascinated with different cultures and different countries and how, again, how different they were because you're so used to what you grew up with. And I remember we had a series of books. Now, my dad owned a shop at this point and he managed to get hold of, was it BBC did a, a series of books that tied into a TV show and for life of me, I can't remember what they were. There was like, like a, ma- a monthly part work that you'd pick up at newsagents and he managed to get a whole set of them and they were split up into, you know, trees and plants, extinct animals, uh, oceans, mammals, reptiles, uh, birds, insects, invertebrates, you know. And I remember reading those books and being absolutely fascinated by them. Just this, this like thing for knowledge that I seem to have had at a young age mm-hmm. and then I remember these shows come along around the words in 80 days the you know the pole to pole and then you had David Attenborough's travelogues as well where he'd literally go around these exotic places and it'd be fascinating because you'd be like I had no idea that animal existed mm-hmm. and then now we have the internet you can go down that rabbit hole within seconds on your phone yeah we we had this because some really really old we had to wait for these tv shows or wait to go to the library at school or our local libraries these guys were doing it on tv on a weekly basis going to these countries exposing us to these cultures and you realize that it's not all about the british stiff upper lip and tea at five you know there are people literally fighting to live (laughs) yeah there, there are people living in houses which aren't even a house. It's three pieces of corrugated metal held up with an old telegraph pole right next to a busy road, you know? Mm-hmm. Just down the bank. And you're like, oh my God, Like it's just it's so jarring to see these cultures. And then you see... And what I liked about these shows is they very rarely showed you the rich part of these cultures. Mm-hmm. They always showed you the real culture. Which is refreshing. Which was quite forward thinking for the BBC, which is what, you know, one of the normal people like to say, they used to send Alan Wicker on these journeys and put him up at like the penthouse suite (laughs) in these, you know. (coughs) And here comes Michael Palin, a kind of like ex-comedy entertainer and David Attenborough. And they're going to the real places. They're showing us what really goes on in these, these, countries these third world countries as well and that they go through and i found this website earlier and i just want to read this part because this sums up perfectly it's a website about it's called it's got a comfort classic pole to pole and i just want to read this because it sums this up absolutely perfectly uh so i just gotta find it now having traveled through the arctic circle in scandinavia Palin arrives in what is still the Soviet Union at a fortuitous time. Communism is on its last legs and the country is suffering from shortages of pretty much everything except the spirit of its people. Palin, a generous, empathetic presenter who is always interested in the people he meets, marvels at the resolve of the British and the, the Russians and Ukrainians. At a distance of almost 30 years, Pol shows how much the world has changed 
in 28 to 30 years and how much remains the same, depressingly the same. In Egypt, Paling navigates the Nile as part of a virtually empty tourist cruise. Tourism has collapsed in the wake of the first Gulf War and a boat, forebodingly given the horrors to come, is called Isis. Palin moves south in his usual quirky manner, travelling on the roof of a snail-slow train, visiting Emperor Haile Selassie's pet lion and battling a mosquito net before he leaves for the Antarctic, which proves a huge anticlimax. He had begun his globetrotting four years earlier in around the world's native days, following the route described by Jules Verne in his book. It almost didn't happen, as Palin revealed a few years ago in a Christmas lecture, TV broadcaster Alan Wicker, journalist Miles Kingston, Clive James and even Noel Edmonds had already turned down the job before Palin accepted without hesitation. Imagine Noel. I know. Yeah. That's someone to make it all about themselves, definitely. Could you Especially just imagine... Later years. Any, you can't imagine anyone else than Michael Palin being this... No. This very emp- empathic soul, this kind-hearted guy just doing this thing for the BBC. Yeah, don't think he would have been as curious. No, if no, brought Blobby with him. No, I think, I think, of all the Pythons, I think the curiosity shown by I think Terry Jones and Michael Palin, they came across as the kindest, quietest of the bunch. Yes, and they they would marvel at the simplest of things. And then be cu- don't ask questions about it. And this is what I loved about revisiting pole to pole when they're on a train. And this is going to sound really, really weird. The, Michael gives a rough breakdown of what happens on this train. It's the only route from north to south through this certain um, part of the Nile. <coughs> part of Africa, sorry. And the train stops randomly and he said the previous night it stopped because one of the was it one of the vacuum tubes for the catering car had come off so the train had to stop to fix the fault and then it stopped the day after so they were on this train for about seven hours and it stopped and he said that when you hear the stories of why the train stops he said sometimes (laughs) it's been overridden by literally land pirates They'd make the train stop and board the train, mm-hmm. or it would be something serious. And it was it was kind of a f- really life affirming when you see this presenter almost go, "This is concerning. Why have we stopped? There has to be a reason why they stopped." But to be in that position, could you imagine being in that position, not knowing why this train stopped? Yeah, it could be a mechanical, no, not at all, mechanical reason, or it could. Especially now nowadays, like that that review said about now it's with ISIS operating in that area. Could you imagine going up? Why is the train stopped? What's happening? Just imagine the anxiety like that. But then you've got these lovely touching moments where he just he meets these small cultures and he's he meets this one guy who was present at the Tutankhamun excavation by Howard Carter. I can't remember what, probably like, you know, 60 odd years or 70 years before the show was made. And he has this really touching little one-on-one with this guy who was there when the tomb was discovered. And he says, so uh, do you believe in uh, the curse of the the Pharaoh and the curse, uh, you know, given to Pete, sent on people who disturbed the tomb? And the guy basically says, no, there is no curse. (laughs) It's just people, it's just... The media get hold of it and they spin it and you say it's just 
it's just basically hearsay. It's just rumors to stop people from robbing the the luxury, the, the gold and the treasures of these tombs. And it's those kind of connections that these kind of shows are made for. This just one person, these little bits, and I think the same episode or the episode after, he then meets this English guy. Um, and it's is it a social club and he talks about the, the chef being an award winning chef and they're sitting there and there's sort of scotch eggs and salad on the plate and <laughs> nice <laughs> and this guy's been this guy he's talking to has been living in this area for for I think 20 years or so and he said normally he said if this is any other place that I didn't know or wasn't staying in I'd tell you never cook anything that's never eat anything that's not hot here and you see Michael Palin literally, literally almost step away from his plate. <laughs> he put he puts the fork down as if to say, oh, like that. And the guy reassures him, said, no, 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 it, here's fine. You know, we oversee everything. So he said, but uh, eat things that are hot because you know that the you won't become ill because it's hot. Because the bacteria is not alive because it's hot enough to kill the bacteria, basically. Again, you hear these horror stories of like, don't drink the tap water in these mm-hmm. countries, and this is exactly yep. why you don't. Yep. Because of you don't know how long certain foods have been left there for, <laughs> and it's it's the risks as well. Like they went through a border, which I looked up earlier. This border now is like really security controlled. He went through this border and didn't get his passport checked. None of them, the camera crew, the producers. <laughs> They literally just got let through the border. Jesus. No checks. And this is currently in a place on this planet which is being blown to bits and historical things are being destroyed. And this is back in 1992 or 1991 when this was filmed and they just let them through the border as if, like, yeah, fine. And I just, I don't, I don't know if you guys have revisited Pole to Pole at all. No. I'm vaguely I familiar haven't. with it. I've not watched it since it was on air and I, yeah. I do remember watching it at the time, I, I don't know why. I mean, for me at the time, I was what, what eight, nine years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. again, we would have been too young to even know of its existence. But I think I, I found it. I feel like I remember it, watching it when it was on TV at the time. It might have been like a, a repeat that was. Maybe I think like it would have been like two years like, later, three years later, maybe. Yeah, possibly. like mid nineties. I must have seen it on a repeat. Or again, I wasn't really that familiar with it, but I remember again seeing the vhs set in my granddad's house okay so it's always in the back of my mind you know when you think and then i saw it on the the research i was doing i was like oh that'd be an interesting wild card one there's a few on there and i was mm. like that'd be interesting to cover a documentary series do you do you think that the pole to pole one is his best one that he did um i think it's very early on in his thing his career but I really like... Did you ever see Himalaya? No, yes. I know of it, but I never watched it. I think that's just... That's peak Michael Palin's travel documentary. Mm-hmm. <coughs> it's got the best of Miranda Wild and 80 Days and Pole to Pole, and it kind of comes into its own. I think it was uh, 2004, I'm reading here, yeah. Then he did Sahara in 2002. I quite, but um, I haven't seen Brazil or North Korea. But I was going to say, the last one he did in North Korea was really interesting. Mm, I yeah. haven't got around to seeing that one yet. Again, I, I hadn't, like Rich, I hadn't seen this in, well, I probably only ever saw maybe one episode. 
But when I saw it on the list of 1992 TV, I was like, that would be really interesting to revisit. From the sheer point of, I wondered what had changed in the past 30 years. Yeah. And weirdly, not a lot, but also so much has changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. The way definitely. you check through borders, the security team and detail you take with you has changed. Mm-hmm. But also his countries that he goes through hasn't changed that much at all. The, the culture is still intact. It's more physical changes and like world kind of conflict changes really more than anything. These kind of shows are just the perfect kind of time capsule. Um, definitely, definitely. Yeah, pretty much, aren't I, they? I, I love you it. These, these travelogues and documentaries, and this is going to be a really random segue, it's very similar to watching uh, a James Bond movie, for instance. Yes. And I know this is going to sound really random. Yeah, I can I can see where you're probably going. Now, when you watch a James Bond movie, they're always known for what country is he going to be in this film. And this is the same. Like I said before, they take you to places you will never go. And they introduce you to cultures you will never meet. And much the same as a James Bond movie would do country hopping, you would see these delightfully colourful cultures represented in such a positive way. And James Bond is very much a travelogue. If you break down those films, sometimes he's in five countries in one film alone. And the prime example I want to bring out Skyfall when they're in um, in Macau. Yeah. How beautiful are those colours? What the location yeah. shots that they filmed in when he's trailing Patrice to that tower is stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is what these travelogue shows do, and they they really captivate you because you you don't see that. You see. When you see the news, you see death and destruction and war and just horrible, nasty stuff. Now, when you see these things, it's really uplifting. You actually come away from it going, "Wow, I learned something, and I'm now sim- I'm sympathetic, and I now understand this culture more, because this person has put their own time to tell me about it." Do we know if this was a show that was um shot on film at the time, or was it just um? But it'd be nice to think it was like a HD master of this. It'd be amazing. Um, I'm not... It doesn't tell you anything, really. I'm assuming because of it being the early 90s and uh, camera weight and stuff like that, I reckon it was probably shot on magnetic video. That's a shame. That's a shame. But if it was shot on celluloid, it would be amazing to go to the original negatives and get it upscaled. Because it would look stunning. (laughs) And this is what I mean, since his early 2000s stuff, obviously when digital technology came in, I'm guessing from from Sahara onwards, they've all been filmed at least high-def digital or yeah, compact film. Because technology's got to a point now where you, you can film on film in a compact nature without having this cumbersome, humongous dolly cam. And it would be amazing to see these shows. Like the early David Attenboroughs from the 80s. Could you imagine yeah. those now upscaled into HD or even higher into 4K? That'd be incredible. That would mm. be absolutely incredible. And just, I mean, you, did you guys see David Attenborough's recent one on Netflix? No, I keep no. meaning to because I mean, it's always a nice demo. Well, I think it's yeah. on 4K on Netflix. Yeah, he, he actually got tearful and 
said we need to stop this now when you stop this whole global warming thing we need to think we stop thinking with our wallets and stop start thinking where we're going as a culture mm-hmm. obviously it's going to fall on deaf ears it's not going to be an overnight change but again when i was re-watching pole to pole and even even the culinary things the food that these people are cooking looks you could smell the screen yeah you could smell those herbs and spices and just immerse yourself in this world just for 40 minutes and I found myself so captivated I didn't even pick my phone up when the episodes were on which is a testament to a good show and this shows this shows 30 years old and I never once picked my phone up to check social media or check my emails or just scroll stuff I literally watched every second of it it was just so captivating and it was on if that's not enough of a recommendation for you I don't know what Mm. is and I just just watch it and just just revisit it and obviously I'd never really watched it. It was a wild it was a wild card choice on my part tonight to record this tonight. Where where can you where did you find it? Is it just on YouTube now or <coughs> it is on, it on BBC iPlayer? iPlayer. Okay. I'm not sure if it's on in HD. I just I've found out from IMBD that it's actually on BBC iPlayer, so it might be lucky and it might have been upscaled, but I'm pretty sure it's shot in standard def video. Yeah. Yeah, and it is also on YouTube. Someone's uploaded all, of course, <laughs> all seven parts. Lovely. Yep. Well, um, it's uh, it's definitely. I, mean, <coughs> I would like to go back and rewatch it um, because, like, it's been quite a long time since I've seen it originally. And I, like I've mentioned, is, is Michael Palin's documentaries are uh, always a, um, a an interesting watch. Mm. Um, definitely. The. This show that you picked, uh, Chris, it ran from the 21st of October to the 9th of December mm. um, for, for a glorious eight shows. But, um, yeah, no, it's a really good pick. Thank you for bringing it to the show. Yeah, it's just it's just fascinating. And I just, I'm a lover of intake of information and facts. And I just, I'd love more people to visit this rather than sitting on Facebook or TikTok Watch 40 minutes of Michael Palin going through the Middle East, down through Africa, onto the Zambia Plains, you know, (laughs) just watch it. I mean, I'm not knocking everything we've picked so far, but it's actually really nice (coughs) show that doesn't sit comfortably in our kind of nerdy, kind of typical... (laughs) That's why I looked at it. I was just like, oh, that would be really interesting. (laughs) And just finishes on in South Africa and just, yeah. Even if you don't go on with it, just try it. Just watch it. Like I say, I mean, if, even if it's uh, you're a person that wasn't around at the time that it first aired, it's just it's just a good time capsule to go back and see what it was like, mm. and what and in some places, like Chris said, it's still like, and be and it makes you just be grateful for what you have mm. here in your in your house, you know, your life. And um, hopefully will make you uh, appreciate the stuff that you've got and the life yeah. that you have because mm-hmm. it could be um, a lot worse. Yeah, <clears throat> and just yeah, dig it up on YouTube and also Billy Connolly's travelogues as well. Whoever's listening, just go and seek them out. Just get off social media, watch these things. They will uplift you. They will teach you, and you'll come our way thinking rather than about yourself and what other what your mates are doing a few miles away you'll be thinking wow mm-hmm. that's going on that's going on and i had no idea sure it's, i've never seen any really 
Yeah, I've not, not really seen the Billy Connolly ones, but that is, uh, yeah, again, that's something I would like to go yeah. and they see. They are all on ITV Hub, I believe, because he does his stuff with ITV. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, his his recent one was a few years back. Was it Billy's Big Send-Off? And he did one two or three years ago. And they're just really eye-opening things about subjects you wouldn't think of. And he did one where he went back to Scotland, where his old haunts when he was younger. And he, again talks about how it's changed how it hasn't changed and just again with Billy Connolly you think this really crude Scottish comic who I'm a massive fan of and I would be devastated when anything happens to him but it's not just his comedy it's a prime example of a guy who can have your interest for a whole hour just like Michael Palin and just teach you about the world that you had no idea you were living in Mm -hmm. There is more to the world than Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Just, yeah. Yeah, Spin for hours. Yeah. I've always been a man that I've always wanted to travel and see uh, different parts of the world uh, as much as I can and afford. Um, Mm. Because there is just so much interesting uh, stuff out there. And the places that you can't afford to get to, this is the next best thing. So, yeah, definitely do. second what Chris has said and just recommend to get out there and, mm. and catch some of these programmes. Yeah, and like Jason yeah. and Rich said, it will it will just make you appreciate everything a lot more and take less for granted when you realise yeah. that there are families living in literally mud shacks and yeah. surviving by selling st- stick dolls that they make with scrap <laughs> just to buy food to get by. Put your phones down, guys. <laughs> go do it yeah so what did you say I was texting sorry <laughs> <laughs> so what we should do is end the show so these people can get off and do just that go and watch some of these documentaries um, thank you so much guys for your time and um, bringing the shows that you have to the to the table uh, thank you very much uh, also thank you very much to the listeners for sticking it out and listening to the show Really appreciate you spending your time with us, and I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, then we would appreciate a review on iTunes. A rating would be lovely. Or just let us know on Twitter, at WolfiePod. We have also got a website (gasps) in the works, um, which will have just some information f- about us on there the all the episodes will be on there and hopefully if we get time then maybe we'll write some articles about anything we fancy yeah. about the 90s and stick it on there as well mm-hmm. um, i do have one myself uh drafted all on uh noel's crinkly bottom <laughs> which <laughs> not literally on his bottom but you know you know what i mean it's a nice Wait, ass though yeah oh, <laughs> yeah and um, hopefully that will be on the website when it when I when we officially announce it. Mm-hmm. But the um, if you do want to check it out now, I mean it's it's there. It's uh, it's thewolfypod.com. Very original, I know, right? <laughs> um, guys, have you got anything left to say before we depart? Um, uh, jet. There you go. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I got. Okay. Oh, brilliant. Well, I've just got to say, when lockdown's over, just put your phones down, go out for a walk. 
you can do that now if you like. Yeah. Just not, yeah. just just, not uh, somebody else. <laughs> or put this podcast in your ears and go for a walk. Yes, beautiful, beautiful just advice. Definitely. Go out there. And you lucky guys with your six or seven inches of snow up there while well, we have not had a single flake <laughs> down here. <laughs> right? I'll stop you there. <laughs> <laughs> what? A bit of a Scarface joke there. No, it's more of a, you guys would be, uh, forget it. No. Yeah, I've got, I got it now. Sorry, I was a bit slow there. Good. Um, if, yeah. you want, if you want to find us on Twitter, the Twitter handles will be in the show description. All that's left to say is that you've been listening to What's Wrong With Wolfie, a 90s podcast to the max. We'll catch you later. I can hear him barking.